Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast. This is your host, Robert Enos. I'm running for Lancaster City Council. I could sure use your vote. Go to www.robertforlancaster.com. You'll find out more about me. I could sure use your vote. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't think I'd ever have to do this again, but I am so sorry. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I've missed you. I haven't been able to put out an episode, and I've missed you, and I've missed coming before this mic and talking and, and recording uh, these episodes for you. You know, I know that there's, you know, actually, I'm in my office. I'm alone right now, and a lot of people think, well, how can you miss us? I know this might sound strange, but when I am recording one of these episodes, I, I do my best to kind of envision all of you right here. I, I, you know, I'm a preacher by nature. I get in front of people. It could be my own home church or it could literally be somewhere where there's thousands and I can speak to large groups. That's not a problem. So when I'm alone in my office like this and I'm trying to convey a message to you via one of these podcast episodes... I do my best to envision you. And because I haven't been able to get behind this microphone for a little bit, I've been so busy, ladies and gentlemen, campaigning, you know, running for city council here in Lancaster, and it's taking a lot of time. I'm not complaining, it just is what it is, but I haven't been able to get here. So I haven't been able to, you know, bring um, our, us together, even though we're apart in that sense, but bring us together. And I missed you. I miss all of you. I miss all of my fans. I even miss some of the people that don't like me. You know, um, I know out of one out of every thousand person may dislike me a little bit, and that's okay. God love them. God love them. Anyways, I'm going to campaign a little bit today, but please don't turn this off. If you're not in Lancaster, don't turn this off. Hey, if you're in Lancaster, don't turn this off. Hey, nobody turn this off because what I want to talk to you about, and this is part of my campaign message, but it's more than just that. I want to talk to you about uh, homeless, but but a specific group or a specific target group of homeless, because that keeps coming up. When I talk to people and I say, what's the problems that you see that, that I can go help fix? You know, first one, crime. Everybody says crime. Okay, we got that. Or I, you know, not got the crime under control. I'm just saying that I got that. I know that I'm going to be doing whatever I can possibly do in the city to bring crime down. You know, what else? Homeless. Those are the two. First crime, second homeless. And oftentimes, those are one in the same, or they really work together, I should say. So because of this, I've been doing my best to work with, or speak to, I should say, because I'm not in there working just yet, but speak to many people that are in the area of law enforcement, like our local sheriff's deputies. I try to make all the uh, coffee with a cop meetings, you know, just to talk to them, bounce some ideas off them, see what's going on on their end. Then I also talk to people who are, well, the citizens, people of my church, people around me. What's going on with you guys? What do you guys see? And then I try to take what both groups are saying and bring it together and start forming, I don't want to say policy, but ideas on how we could really fix the problem working with the citizens of our city. And that's why I say, please don't turn this off. This isn't just about Lancaster. This is, um, what I'm going to talk about uh, literally is global. And, and there's ideas and principles that can be applied anywhere uh, on the planet, any city, in any country, anywhere. So anyways, talk to the citizens. I talk to them. What's going on? What do you see? What are your answers? What, are, you know, what do you see needs to be done? 
I talked to the sheriff's deputies here, law enforcement. What do you guys see needs to be done? Why is crime rising? Why do we have this issue and why do we have this problem? They give me, they tell me what's going on. They tell me what they have to deal with on their end and such. So I'm hearing what the citizens are saying. I'm hearing what the sheriff's department and our sheriff's deputies are saying. And now I can have a better, you know, I have the information to where I can start developing some plans and ideas that once in office, I can start to, you know, work these things out. And uh, again, not just uh, crime itself, but homelessness is another issue that many people are talking about. So I've been talking to a lot of people that have, that deal actually hands-on with the homeless, and then the citizens who are, you know, uh, dealing with it on their own, you know, and trying to figure out, okay, what can we do? So I want to speak to you a little bit today about the homeless issue, but in at least in one area, and that is the foster kids that, it's said like that, they're the aged out foster kids. So when Children go into the foster care system uh, for whatever reason. And when they hit 18 years old, well, the checks come, stop coming to their foster parents. 18, somewhere around there, okay? So the checks stop coming. Often, often the, the, those 18-year-old children are forced out of their home, their foster home, because their foster parents are not getting any money for them anymore. Or, or something along those lines, right? Maybe they're in a bad situation. They finally hit 18. They're just going to get out of that situation. So they just leave, whatever the situation is. But about 18 years old, they're ten, often, not always, but often turned out on the streets. And many times simply because the checks don't come. Well, they, at, at that point, especially in the foster care system, these uh, young people, these 18-year-old young people, don't always have life skills to be able to go out and get a job. And many times, maybe not all the time, but many times they're dealing with some type of emotional trauma because of, you know, being taken away from their parents, bouncing around from foster home to foster home and and all of these things and all of that that comes with it, dealing with the sense of abandonment and such. So it's a big burden. It's a big problem. And then they're basically turned out at 18. They have no real world skills. If they have a diploma from high school, which you know many of them will, but uh, again, that's not always real-world skills to go out and get a, a decent-paying job to pay the bills and, and get an apartment and get a car and all of that. So they end up homeless. So many, maybe not all, but many of the younger people that you see out on the streets, homeless, living in tents, living under bridges and such, many of them are turned out or aged out foster kids with no real world skills to be able to take care of themselves so they become homeless and then we know all the problems that come with homelessness maybe they weren't into drugs and alcohol before but just to uh, numb the pain the emotional pain that they're going through now they suddenly start getting into alcohol and drugs and harder drugs and such which just makes the problem a bad problem worse so i uh work and i didn't get her permission so i'm going to throw out her name and and na- the, her the name of her organization and hopefully she doesn't get mad at me but erica alverdi out here she lives in palmdale she has a an organization she heads up an organization uh, the Vine Refuge, and among other things that she does, she one of the things that she does in her organization is works with aged out foster kids 
to try to help them out so they don't become homeless. Or if they have become homeless, help them out so they can get on their feet and make some things work. And she's had some success. She's had quite a bit of success. She's doing a great job. But I do know this, that if she actually had some backing of a city or larger groups, she would be able to do uh, far more for these young people than she's presently and currently able to do. And also in my discussions along these lines, I just put out a little video clip on my Facebook page and Instagram page. It's only a minute long where I briefly, in 60 seconds, touch upon this. And I had several people going, you know what, you're absolutely right, and throwing and, and start talking to me about different organizations that are trying to do, or doing, I should say, they're not trying, they're doing what I am talking about even right now. So it, it told me with Erica Alverdi's ministry organization, the Vine Refuge, and then others out there, uh, if we could bring them all together and even help have the city work with them in 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 tackling this problem, maybe we can keep, who knows, maybe we can keep all those young people being aged out of the system, the foster care system. Maybe we can keep all of them um, off the streets and actually working and making their their life and their world work for them by giving them some skills. So here's my idea and this is a growing idea. In other words, a, what's the word? Evolving idea, I should say. Because as I go in this, as I look into it, as I speak to people, other people bring a new piece of the puzzle. Other people bring more information and it's actually growing. And I'm really getting excited about this because one of the, maybe not the first thing I do, but one of the first things I do is start working on this in a very real world way in a manner that we can get some things passed at the city level to help these young people. I'll say, you know, remember when we were in high school? Well, <laughs> I don't know who I'm, the ages of who I'm talking about. I'm 57 years old. When I was in junior high, actually, junior high, we had wood shop at the junior high. We had uh, some agriculture, horticulture, uh, how to grow your own plants, how to work with animals, things of that nature. Uh, wood shop, I already said wood shop, metal shop, doing metal projects, um, which was... They had even some light welding, not heavy-duty welding, but some light welding and brazing and things of that nature, cutting and shaping metal and everything. But what, what it was doing was giving us young people uh, skills. When I say real-world skills, skills that if you followed that path, you can get out of high school and get into that field, welding or whatever. And then in high school, they started actually, where the high school I went to, they still had shop class. Uh, like they worked on cars as like mechanics and things like that. They had agriculture classes, horticulture classes, things of that nature. Um, but shop classes started fading away by the time I was in high school. And that was back in the early 80s. I know, I know you wouldn't think about it, but at least in my high school it was. Now, I don't know if they have any uh, shop classes in high school at all. I don't think so. I don't. I don't hear it discussed or anything. But but here's the frustrating thing about it. So you have, and this isn't just the aged out foster kids. This is any any one of our kids. But you have these. I'm going to focus on the aged out foster kids, but it can be applied to any child in our high school system. So you have these kids. Check this out, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I know. I'm I'm frustrated on this because of the absurdity of it. So in high school actually starting as early as third grade. But in high school, there's all kinds of classes, courses, and, and things that bring about 
more and more gender confusion and discussion there's more discussion about sexual identity and gender confusion and whether a boy could be a girl or a girl could be a boy or furries or a boy or a girl could be a cat all that silliness and stupidity that's confusing our young people but they don't have real world courses that then an 18 year old can leave high school and go get a good career type of job as early as 18, 19 years old. I mean, yeah, they can get out of, out of school and be completely confused about who they are or what they are. They can get out of school and already have pieces of their body chopped off, mutilated, twisted, and turned inside out, drugs and hormones given to them that will actually change their physical features, but they can't get a real-world job because that's not offered to them. It, it, Am I the only one that that thinks that our school system needs to be revamped? So what I want to see happen, especially with these um, young people that are in a system that they possibly could end up homeless when they turn 18, is I want to see them not only complete their high school studies and get uh, their diploma in high school for high school, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, send all that gender nonsense where it belongs. And I'm not even going to say it on the air where it belongs, but let's send it there. But also on top of that, they could be going and learning a real world trade, welding, metalwork, mechanic work. What else is there? I mean, all kinds of things. So that by the time they graduate with their high school diploma, they can graduate with some other diploma or certificate that they can take and go get a real world kind of a career job. Wouldn't it be awesome if, if one of these young people, 18 years old in the foster care system, if he or she was turned out, they had a diploma, high school diploma in their hand, and they had certificates. Let's say I'm just picking on welding because I do know that there's a lot of welding schools out there or heating and air conditioning schools out there. They had a certificate saying they passed. They are now a certified welder, a certified, um, what do they call it, HVAC, you know, heating and air conditioning um, technician or whatever it is. And they can take that right down to a shop somewhere, heating and air conditioning shop or a welding shop, a metal shop and say, listen, I have my high school diploma. I'm 18 years old. I have my high school diploma. I have my certificates. I passed. I am licensed and certified. I would like a job. They stand a better chance of not just getting a job, but getting a good paying job that could that could quickly, maybe not overnight, but quickly lead to them having enough money for an apartment, a car, food, everything that they need to sustain themselves even at that young age. Now, so why in God's name would they pull out all of these shop classes that would actually lead these young people, all of our young people, to a real world education that actually could give them a real world job and a real world life? I mean, why did they, why did they replace real world, real world um, education Real world training with all this foolish nonsense that gets us nowhere. I, I See, I don't understand that. I think, at least here in Lancaster, and I think this is, should be all over the United States of America and in many countries. You got Some of you are listening to me in other countries, and I would say the same thing. Your school systems need to be in such a place that when a kid graduate from high school, 
if they choose not to go to college, well, then they can still go out and get a pretty decent paying job to at least sustain themselves. And that's what I would like to see, especially for our um, the young people in the foster care system before they're aged out. Let's train them and prepare them for their future so that they don't become homeless. They don't become a statistic. They don't become just an endless pawn in the political game, but they actually have a real world education so they can get on their feet and stay on their feet. Now, there's other things that can go with that because at 18 years old, even with the certificates, even with the licenses, even with the diplomas, all of those things, they're not always going to be trusted with a, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, $90,000 a year job. And I totally understand that, but you got to start somewhere. So, Instead of waiting until they're homeless, waiting until there's problems, and waiting until there's an issue like that, and then dumping as, as they're spending here, just in California, billions, billions on the homeless problem, and the homeless, homelessness is just growing and increasing, even though they're spending billions. Can't we take just a little bit of that money? Can't we just take a little bit of that money and keep these young people from becoming homeless in the first place? Like, for instance, if they go through the program and they, and and again, I'm just using welding because that's what I'm familiar with. You know, they're certified welders. At, by the time they graduate high school, they're also certified welders, went to a certified school, or they brought that school into the high school and trained them there. Either way, it doesn't matter. But they work, you know, the school system can work with these other um, trade schools and train uh, and train these young people so they're certified so they get this certified they're a certified welder by the time they're 18 they have their high school diploma but nobody's willing to pay them enough money to get them you know out of the foster home right into their own home that's understandable because they have to prove themselves but i would much rather see a small portion of the billions that they spend on the homelessness problem that doesn't really do anything take some of that and make prevent and use it for preventative measures for these young people. Why can't we shift them right over there and say, listen, for the next, um, I don't know, 24 months, that's only two years, we're going to get you a new apartment. It doesn't have to be the Taj Mahal, ladies and gentlemen. It just needs to be safe enough and secure enough that they have a place to lay their head, a place to cook their food, a place to hang their clothing and a place to sleep at night, you know? And I'm not even saying, and help them with some transportation. I'm not talking about buying them a car. I'm talking about them giving them a bus pass or something of that nature so they can get to and from their apartment to to their job and, and, and cap it at 24 months. Cap it at 24 months. That's it. You got 24 months. That's it. And, and there could be rules in that, of course, because we say, well, what if they do? Well, what if they do that? What if they do that? We can put all of those what ifs into the agreement, into the contract, into the protocol, whatever you want to call it. You know, if you ever test positive for drugs, you're turned out. If you ever, you know, commit a crime and get arrested, you're turned out. If after, again, if you're coming up on that two-year mark, let's say let's say 12 months and you still don't have a job and, uh, you know, a decent paying job, we're going to start the paperwork to get you out. You're turned out. In other words, give them a chance. Give them the education. Give them the chance. And the reality of it is young, some of these young people are going to need help mentally, emotionally beyond just getting that 
paperwork saying, hey, I, I'm licensed or I have, I'm certified, I have my diploma. They're going to need some people to sit down with them and help them with their finances, how to balance a checkbook. I know nobody uses checks anymore, but hey, you get the idea. Balance a checkbook, you know, uh, how credit works, how credit cards work, how taxes work, all of those things. Let them go through the training. That's part of the process. You want, you want to stay in this apartment for two years and go through this? Then you have to go through other schooling to help you become self-sufficient. And that's what we're aiming at so they don't end up homeless. And I do realize, oh yeah, well, you're still saying you're going to take taxpayer, taxpayer dollars to do this. And unfortunately, yes, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, yes, it would take that or some type of grant somewhere. Well, it's still taxpayers' dollar. But nonetheless, it would be far more inexpensive to keep these young people from becoming homeless in the first place than having to house them, feed them, clothe them, you know, medical, all of this later on if they become homeless, especially if they turn to crime to try to make it in this world. Now, you know, any business owners dealing with the criminal element. Now, people are dealing with that portion and it's still our tax dollars. It's still our tax dollars that have to go in there to, to try to keep that criminal element at bay. Well, let's just keep it from happening in the first place so that these young people have, have a real world, a real shot at making it for themselves. Let's stop confusing them with all the nonsense courses in school and start giving a real world education where they can get out of high school. They have everything that they need, the education wise and the documents they need to go out there and find a decent job. You know, I'm, I'm learning more and more and more that many people, many business owners really want to help. <clears throat> they want to help. They're willing in, in many, at many times, in many ways, willing to hire, hey, we'll hire the homeless. And, and you say, well, then why aren't more homeless coming? Why aren't they giving more homeless jobs? Because it's difficult for them to find people mentally and emotionally stable enough for the jobs that they're offering. They want to help. They want to take these people off the streets, but at the same time, they can't be liable for somebody that is unstable mentally or emotionally. So they have to sift through all of that. These same people that are willing to do that and they want to do that, I, I can only imagine that they would be willing to hire, say, an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old that is certified and has gone through the process to not only get that certificate, but gone through the process to help get their head together in other areas maybe they weren't trained in. Again, uh, how to balance a checkbook, you know, how to, you, even down to nutrition, how to eat right. How to balance your checkbook, how how to um, do your taxes, or how you know investments, all of those things, so that by the time they get to that small business employer, or medium business, they say, "Wow, these guys are really trained. They have not only got their certificates, but they got their heads screwed on straight." And we're still helping because we're not taking them out of homelessness, but we're keeping them from becoming homelessness or homeless. And then again, part of the whole process, you got two years in this apartment. So in those two years, you're going to have to start taking some of that money that you start making within that two year and start saving it and putting it away so that when you have to pick up your own bills for your apartment, you can do it easily. We're training you on how to save. We're training you on how to invest. We're training you on how to balance your financial, your finances, your financial uh, situation. We're training you on all that so that by the, can you imagine? I mean, think about that. Can you imagine when it's all said and done, 20-year-old, he has a real-world career kind of job, 
that he can move on if he wanted, but if he wants to stay there, he'll do fine. He has his own apartment. He has his own car. He's balancing his own finances. He's not relying on anybody else. He's not relying on the government. He's not relying on anybody else. He is self-sufficient. He's paying his own bills. Do you know how that that self, and I don't say this in a negative way, ladies and gentlemen, but that self-pride that just says, I am making it. I'm doing it. That's what we want to create in people because those ones will go out and change the world. Those ones will be the greatest advocates for the next generation of either young people or homeless because they can go and say, real world, I can show you how to do it. All odds were against me. All the odds were against me. Everything said I was going to end up homeless and probably in an early grave. But no, I overcame it. Why? Because there were systems put in place that didn't give these young people just another hand out, but a hand up to become something. And then the final, if you will, protocol is after within, say, maybe, let's say a five-year period. So, you know, between that 20-year, 20 and 25, or that 18 and, say, 23, somewhere in there, you have to go and advocate and help other people do what you did. Just a giving back. That's how you pay back the system by helping to keep other people from getting into that system. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that's just a simple idea. And that's a simple idea. And and again, it's forming, it's formulating the exact hows, the whos, the whats, the whys, and we're going to be working on the costs and everything. But what I just presented to you is would be very inexpensive compared to what they're doing presently right now. Like I said, billions have been spent, not necessarily in my hometown, but billions have been spent on trying to fix the homeless problem here. We can take a big dent out of homelessness by not even allowing these young people to become homeless in the first place. Training them, raising them up correctly, training them and getting them into the work world so that they can produce for themselves and for others. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, that's a big, huge win-win for me. It helps these young people win. It helps society and culture, the city win, the, you know, let's face it, the local government that backs this and creates this and it makes this happen, they're winning because everybody goes, oh yeah, that was so-and-so at the city council. Oh, that was so-and-so mayor, so-and-so. Oh, that was, you know, congressman, this and that, and the other thing. Look it. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for you, ladies and gentlemen, because you're the hardworking taxpayer. You're the hardworking citizen and taxpayer. Fewer uh, dollars will go to this than the endless problem that the that they have been creating already. So let's and, and come on, let's face it. These young people gone through hell, gone through all the emotional, mental, physical problems that many uh, foster kids go through, and then they hit eighteen and they're going to be turned out to go live in a tent under a bridge. Give me a break. We can do better than that, ladies and gentlemen. We can do better than than what they're presently doing. We can help these young people get on their two feet and sustain themselves. Boy, how awesome would that be? I want to, I mean, I'm sitting here just thinking and picturing it in my mind. Yes, I have one of those brains. And uh, I'm, I, I would just love to throw my arms around them, hug them, and tell them how proud I am of, of, of doing this. Overcoming all the odds and making something of themselves. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, tell me what you think. Maybe you can add to that. Maybe you could take away from that. Maybe you have a better idea. I don't know. Please send it to me. Email me. Email me. You know, as a matter of fact, you can find my email and even some phone numbers and all that good stuff at www.robert4lancaster.com. And that's F-O-R, Robert, F-O-R, 4, Lancaster, 
com. Find me on Facebook by the same thing, Robert for Lancaster. Find me on Instagram, Robert for Lancaster. Throw out some ideas to me. Send me some messages. Like my pages. It's so great when you like it because more and more people hear about this, hear about me, vote for me, and um, I'll get in and I do my best to make you all proud. But God bless you. I look forward to serving you in Lancaster City Council. Thank you for tuning in. And once again, I'm Robert Enos. I'm running for Lancaster City Council. I could sure use your vote and I can sure use your support. Together, we the people, we will make Lancaster great. God bless you.